windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Fighter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, maybe a somber Monday—a better word to use—as Kobe Bryant, the basketball great, uh, tragically. Uh, killed yesterday in a helicopter accident. More tragically, uh, the couple young ladies that were on that as well, including Brian's daughter. We will talk ETSU men's basketball. Second segment, we'll talk women's basketball. Third segment, we'll go bold predictions. We'll certainly pick up uh, the energy level, but it's tough not to lead with something as tragic as what went on yesterday. And I don't get a lot of naps. I'm not a big napper. Uh, Sunday, if I do nap, is a a day where I may take one. And it was a short-lived nap because... I know something has gone awry when people, certain people text me. Yeah. Because you don't get a lot of everyday texts from certain. And so I sort of judge by, okay, this person's text. And I talk to them, okay, this person. Okay, they, okay, now five or six of them have sent me something. I may need to sort of kind of wake up and see what's going on here because something has happened. And when, out of all the things that was running through my mind that happened, I did not think uh, death of a basketball legend had happened. I thought we're dealing with more World War Three or something other crazy going on, and uh, still that. Uh, but unbelievable, just sort of. And then the news, as you started to to get, because the first reports, of course, it was like him and his whole family, and it was all of his kids, yeah. and then it was none of his kids, and then you're thinking, okay, well, he's, you know, his force is just Kobe. Now another one. Now it is one of his kids. I mean, it's just trying to get that information out, and everybody trying to be a first, and I get it, the news, and we're in the cycle too so I, I hate to say the media because we are media and we we sometimes report things that we get and sometimes it, we're told stuff and and uh thought to believe it's accurate and it's not so i'm not crushing any of that but it's just heartbreaking as you continue to follow the story and, and how it all broke down and so what i thought we'd do here is is sort of talk about it a little bit and then you know talk about where you were on the Kobe cycle and and him as a player and all that stuff yeah definitely and I I know this doesn't have to do with ETSU really he didn't play college sports it's not really within our realm but there are certain things in sports that when they happen and we cover a little bit of other stuff you know we do fail downs four downs you know we've had the mystery guest last year from around sports and so we do branch out a little bit and, and talk a lot of different topics throughout sports regardless pardon me regardless of what kind of show this is as long as it's covering sports I don't care what part of sports it is this permeates every level of sports anytime someone that is as you said a legend but also so young was just getting out of his playing career had such reach I mean I let's see Kobe was I think a rookie when I was seven maybe eight years old and I watched Kevin Garnett when I was in Minnesota 
um, growing up, and he was really my hero, you know, the icon, right? And Michael Jordan, I was catching the tail end of him, and then KG kind of moved on to Boston, and he had some battles with Kobe when he was in L.A., and so Kobe was kind of ever-present, omnipresent during my years growing up watching basketball, and I was a big NBA fan, and, you know, like you said, certain people text you, and I got a couple texts from uh, buddies that I used to watch the NBA with growing up, and they were just devastated, and as am I, you know, it's not like I knew Kobe, you know, it's not like I ever crossed paths with him or anything like that, but um, knowing all of the good he did for the basketball community and for female sports and what looked like, and this is, I think, the really sad part of his death, and of course, all the kids on board, obviously, that goes without saying, I mean, lives taken away before they've had a chance to unfold it all, but the really sad part for me with Kobe was it looked like it was going to be a very prosperous, productive, and just awesome post-playing career, philanthropic and, you know, involved with his kids. And he'd already won an Academy Award and really was getting into other elements of pop culture. And I was really excited to see what he was going to do since he had talked about to some people that came out yesterday that he was just really happier than ever, you know, because the game wasn't about him. He could go and sit courtside and he didn't have to be in that Mamba mode, right? He didn't have to be locked in he could just sit back and enjoy the experience with his children um certainly 13 year old daughter that went he went to a lot of games with was coaching her team too and boy just really difficult um for all the reasons i said and many more uh, he touched a lot of lives and uh seeing a lot of the reaction around the basketball community goodness i, I watched the doc rivers you know two minute and 15 second or so uh soundbite and he was just broken down and you see that kind of stuff, and um, even though you didn't know him personally, you see what he meant to people that did know him personally, and, and that tugs in the heartstrings. I I don't also, and this is kind of my last thing on it because I don't want to monopolize the show here, but I don't really go out of my way to watch a lot of sporting events at this point. You know, uh, There's big ones, of course, Super Bowl, you know, uh, March Madness, things like that, um, but really one-off type of stuff, I really don't watch that much because we're just around sports all the time, you know, and we're covering, you know, 100, 120 games a year, whatever the number ends up being after each academic and athletic year is done, and Kobe's last game was one of those I had to see, and when he dropped, you know, what was it, 60 uh, on, on the 50 shots, and he just kind of went into takeover mode um, and got that win in Staples Center that was just roof blown off everybody shocked and in awe of what Kobe was able to do one more time um it's kind of like we talked about Derek Jeter last week you know his great moments down the stretch 3,000th hit a home run last game uh he gets the walk off at Yankee Stadium um and Kobe to go out with those 60 points I mean that was for me an all-time moment and obviously all the other accomplishments on the court but the saddest part for me with specifically him being lost and outside of all the other victims which there were a lot on this helicopter I think nine total which is terrible um just the fact that he had his post-playing career taken from him so early where it looked like there could be a lot of greatness ahead you know he he really truly tried to better everything and I, I think that's the big thing and you know a lot of guys are lost without playing and we see it all the time right they're great people you know, when they, they're on the court or on the field or diamond, whatever it is, it, and then they get out of the limelight and then it's a struggle. They, they don't know what to do with their time and themselves and all that. And, you know, Kobe did seem to figure out what he was going to do. You know, he was going to do some things for ESPN Plus, break down plays and things and <clears throat> why guys are great and how the shot is and all that. Uh, which is stuff I enjoy, and that's really what I, I kind of miss uh, or will miss watching 
you know, because I like the game within the game. So I watch all those things and MLB network where they're showing you different things on grounders and, you know, what makes this guy better and, or why he has a unique, you know, batting style that works for him. Like I really enjoy all of that. So I enjoy that. But the family man part of it as, as somebody has three kids, um, that, uh, that you can't help but almost bring tears to your eyes because you're like, golly, not only is he gone, this poor 13-year-old girl. <clears throat> again, I'm, I'm only a year older than Colby, so I remember all of Colby and everything that it was and, and was still around for, you know, as around you're talking about seven, eight years old as Michael was really taken over. And the biggest thing I can remember about Colby coming into his own and Michael kind of starting to fade away was what you get now with the Michael LeBron. You know, it's Michael and Colby. He was going back and forth. I remember ETSU men's basketball my first year riding on the bus, so two oh three. The amount of arguments that would go back and forth between Jordan and Colby. And I mean they would just fly back and forth. And so now it's funny because I hear a lot of it uh, conversations on the bus trips now. LeBron, Colby, LeBron, Mike. It's still LeBron, Mike. Kobe gets thrown in there a little bit. Right. Clearly, those three are three of the greatest players I've, I've seen in my lifetime. And uh, rather, whatever statistical championship, whatever measure you want to use, they're they're all there. But I think just now his poor wife uh, and three daughters have to figure out a way to, to go on. And then what's even lost in the shuffle is there were more people on, on the copter. And I think I heard several different people talking about the good and the bad is, well, the good is – these other people are going to be celebrated because let's be honest if it's a helicopter crash without colby and this is just reality of it they're just it's it's a blurb that you see hey helicopter crash seven die names are thrown out there you move on now all these other folks because they were unfortunately on the helicopter with colby now they get a chance to be celebrated too because they equally have a whole family i don't believe the 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 baseball coach uh, his wife and daughter. I don't think there was anybody left behind. I think that that whole family is now perished, mm-hmm. and, and and so every, you get a little light of everything, you know. And 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 I'm not saying if you want to go, you should go with a celebrity. So you get celebrated. I'm just saying that you know it, this was almost an afterthought of Kobe wasn't on it, and, and now Kobe's on it, and then you get a chance to let everybody mourn and celebrate everyone's life that was on there. You know, whether it's the pilot, the other folks that are coming out. Now they still seem to be changing as we're recording this who's actually on it, what, what's been going on. It seems like the the two families for sure, uh, Colby and his daughter, and, of course, the uh, Antonelli, the baseball coach, his wife and daughter on there as well, and they're still coming up with some others. So I think that's the, that, that's the big thing. I think just if you have kids, and I remember, you know, years and years ago, um, uh, you know, seeing a uh, – I can't remember a player had a kid drown, and I, and I wish I could remember what but I remember – kind of feeling sorry but not understanding it and them kids and so it is i think it's different when you see a situation where you're like man the kid and then having a situation where now the wife has three daughters that's gonna have to raise and talk about the sister that's not there talk about the husband that's not there and you know they're set up with some money and, and that doesn't solve everything but there is something to be said for Vanessa Bryan, his wife, is at least set up to where her 100% effort can be used over the next couple of years to try to give these other girls a normalcy, a normal life as best she can, you know, where unfortunately if something, and, and I've talked about it before, but 
almost lost my wife and uh, had to have some emergency surgery and got it. I'm sitting there at the end when I'm talking to the surgeon, I'm sitting there. The reality at that point hit me of, hey, I may have to raise three kids on my own, and what in the world am I going to do? Right. You know, so, uh, and I'm for, fortunately for everything, it worked out. My wife's here. Everything's healthy and fine, and uh, the good Lord looked out for us and all that good fun stuff. But I feel bad, you know, for the folks left behind and how they're going to be able to pick up the pieces. Colby went too soon, but he's 41. If, you know, if, if the good Lord decided today was my day at 42, I would rather it be me and give my kids an opportunity to to grow and 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 become a life and do whatever they want to do so i think that's the the ultimate tragedy are the the children in this that that aren't uh aren't going to be around but what colby meant and i think you can tell what what a person means um to a community to a group to a sport when you see all the outpouring that not only has gone on at his high school that he played at at uh, the staples center at the styles and oaks facility that we're trying to go to and then the plethora of legends uh, and current stars and college players and high school people. And it's amazing his reach because I'm seeing people I don't know who, who have kids that are in high school that are tweeting about and talking about Kobe Bryant and what he meant to them. And they might not only saw Kobe's last game, that's about all they can remember. Right. So that shows you how you transcend sports. So it, awful loss, unbelievable. Um, I thought the last uh, thing I'll say, and then uh, just see if you got anything else to add, I thought – the touch of the teams, you know, taking the 24-second shot clocks, the eight-second backcourt violations, those are the two numbers um, that he wore. You know, in radio, there's – it's hard to do because it's on radio. You can't let visual do it. But I know there are uh, times that people will just have the NAT sound up for, you know, 24 seconds. It, we did it when Seth Coy passed away uh, at ETSU in between um, his freshman – would have been his sophomore year. And, and, and so it's hard to do on radio. But the visual – of them taking the violations and then not even the crowd having to be told what it was for. That that was the other thing. You know, it wasn't like there were announcements made. It was almost like they they kind of knew. It kind of reminds me when Nebraska, the punter, um, had passed away in a car crash, and the first punt of the season, they lined up with 10 men with no punter. And as soon as the Nebraska fans saw that because it was their guy, they're up, they're applied. I mean, mm-hmm. they knew – what they were doing they took a penalty for that so sometimes you know sports is about winning and losing sometimes it's about uh the reality of the world and i thought everybody yesterday in the nba um that either had a relationship with colby or knew about whatever i thought they handled about as good as you could considering things going on and we know more is coming the lakers are going to play a home game i think on tuesday and so when that game comes around, you can imagine what that's going to be like. Yeah, no doubt. And um, I'm sure it's going to be a, a tough little bit of time here. I'm not sure what the timetable is, but I know today, uh, what, less than 24 hours after it happened, you know, it hit me really hard last night uh, after I was kind of done with the day and turned on ESPN and they had about a half hour loop, you know, going of conversations with you know Jalen Rose and then just some videos they put together that, of course, were really well done and uh, hit me then and woke up this morning and, uh, yeah, just – a bit of an empty feeling, I guess, and uh, I'm not sure when that'll go away, but really sad and uh, hate to see anyone go too soon, but especially someone that transcended a lot of different things like Kobe did and um, someone that was just 41 and everybody involved, of course, as well. But selfishly, I think feeling a bit empty today. Yeah. It, uh, it, when you start breaking into regular show programming at every major network to cover yeah. something, you know, it's a, it's a pretty big deal. We saw that yesterday and the only thing I can, because uh, my friends have asked, you know, w- what do I think in sports world, the closest thing, the only other thing, and I was working in Florida, uh, in Ocala in the Gainesville area, and was working the day that Dale Earnhardt 
passed away on that Sunday and had to um, do some shows and, and break in coverage and all that's about the only thing I can think of a major sports star and, and Dale Earnhardt was clearly competing but it you know it just feels like Colby's still on the floor I know he wasn't but it still kind of feels that it way does. in what he did no so. doubt all right we will uh, take a break just our thoughts uh, I, I just don't think you can do any type of, of media without at least addressing that somewhat we did that hope you appreciated our thoughts hope it maybe uh leads you to to have some thought and perspective on it as well we'll step aside for a time but when we come back we will talk etsu men's basketball we still got women's basketball we got bold predictions all that more coming up on santo's sidekick on the buccaneer sports network over the last 70 years johnson city power board has had a few different looks but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on now we've changed our name to bright ridge to match our vision to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve we're glad to be your public power provider bright ridge new name renewed promise learn more at brightridge.com Santos and the sidekick back with you as ETSU took on Chattanooga inside Freedom Hall. Over 6,000 people there, and they were treated to what was an unbelievable defensive effort again by ETSU. And I know Chattanooga able uh, to make some headway late, but the Bucks' largest lead was 27 points. Give Chattanooga credit, got it to nine, but the Bucks hang on for an 11-point victory, and it was the Bo Hodges show for sure. He had the first 10 points for ETSU. He would finish with a career-high 27 points, a career-high for field goals made with 12, three of six from the line, eight rebounds, five steals, a couple of blocks, a couple assists, just really all over the place. And it was amazing to me, and I know I said it on air, I I speculate, I cannot believe Chattanooga just kept saying, we're going to keep playing him man-to-man, no help, and we're going to rotate as many people as we can to figure out who can solve Bo Hodges, and they never solved it. It was unbelievable. I've seen some people say, and I'm starting to come around to the same line of thinking, that Bo Hodges is having an All-American season, um, and I know that he's not maybe the dominant takeover guy, and it, it can be difficult when you're not that to be able to you know go and get that kind of honor, but goodness, the day that he had is just unbelievable. 27-8, like you talked about, and I, I think usually we'll stop at the – you know, points and rebounds, uh, points in the next big stat, right? Or it can be like for, you know, say uh, Patrick Good. He had, you know, 27 points and a lot, or, you know, five threes. Or, you know, Davian Williamson, let's say, like 15 points, eight assists, you know, something like that. And it always stops there. But with Bo Hodges, you just have to read the entire box score because there's always more there. And he said post game, and I think I have to agree, uh, he feels sometimes that there's people in the league that, can't guard him there's some days that he is that unstoppable force in the southern conference and chattanooga the fact that they continued especially with you know patrick good struggling a bit and obviously vonnie patterson isn't that offensive force maybe you leg off him a bit though vonnie's shown that he can beat you too so it does seem strange that they didn't do something different because Bo was just a one-man wrecking machine. And uh, it was nice to see Davian, speaking of Davian Williamson, back. Um, I know we've talked about it a couple of times on the show and even maybe harped on it a bit 
on Friday, I believe it was, uh, not only in bold predictions but in our breakdown of the game, uh, that he had been quiet. You know, was averaging like four or so points a game over the last uh, whatever it was, four or five, six games, and uh, he had a huge day. You know, big to have him step up and get to double digits. And Lucas Gusson, for what to me was kind of a worrisome event in the first half, not having a three pointer. The entire team, and you know, it's fresh in your mind with Vanderbilt streak just ending. I'm saying I'm not going to be able to hear Jay Sando say 1,207 billion games in a row. You know, so I was excited that Lucas Gusan came out and hit that three right away, get the monkey off the back. And ETSU did hit a couple of other threes as they started to extend the lead out um, to as big as 27. Really a blowout. They kind of put it in cruise control. Got down to seven, which is kind of an instant thing. I looked up, and all of a sudden, you know, it's getting to be a single-digit game, and you get a little bit nervous, tighten up a bit, but uh, eventually ETSU was able to extend it back out. So another good win. Um, I really thought that if ETSU, you know, kept it at high gear, they could have gotten to 80-85 again, um, but just kind of, you know, put it in cruise control, which is fine when you have that big of a lead. I know Coach Forbes maybe isn't thrilled um, as any coach would be, right? That's their job is to nitpick and get the team better, but uh, he did say, you know, at the end of the day, it's just important to get the win in the league, in a rivalry, uh, and keep the momentum flowing. I mean, this team is 18-3 and three and certainly one of the most prolific and uh, dangerous teams in all mid-major basketball right now. Yeah, and I think the, the one thing about giving up the lead like that is because you've got to play Chattanooga, right? You got Mercer, UNCG, and then you go right back to Chattanooga on that Wednesday. So you're almost, what is that, close to 14 days? No, that's not right. 17 days, 17 days in between matchups uh, between Chattanooga. So, but here's what I don't like about it because instead of burying them by 40 and letting them think about that, what are we talking about? The 25th to the 5th? Yeah, well, how many like days? 11 days. 11 days. Okay. So instead of, in 11 days, they play again. So instead of winning by 40 or 50 and having that sit on Chattanooga, what you did is you gave them the, well, look, I mean, heck, if we, we just play like this, win the game. So right. the confidence level for Chattanooga going into the next game is going to be on high alert. Plus, I, I got to think chances of Chattanooga going over from beyond the arc in the first half again are probably slim to none in their own building. So I think that's going to be something to look at. Plus, you know, ETSU going to go zero as well. I guess you could look at it that way. But I think not being able to finish the game and just burying them so that's all they thought about was losing by 30 or 40, I'm a firm believer that – and you see it all the time, whether it's in basketball or baseball or in a seven-game series where a team may be getting blown out, but then they win the fourth quarter and then – you know, or, you know, they score the last four runs of the game even though they lost by – you know, three runs, but they were down seven. They scored the last four. They carry that momentum into the next night. And so you see it all the time in sports. Momentum is funny. So I, I really wish ETSU would have been able to finish a little stronger on that. But that being said, they still picked up 11-point win. They're still there. Still got things going. And head coach Steve Forbes had a lot to say about it. That was big. We kind of looked at that matchup a little bit as a, a matchup that we could drive the ball and Bo could drive him, and he did, and he got him in foul trouble right away. That was big because Matt Ryan's a is a really good player. And Bo played 40 minutes. Of, I mean, he played a total of 40 minutes, but he played 32 and had 27 points. One of the things that I emphasized after the game is the beauty of our team is it doesn't matter who it is. Last time we played on at Western Carolina, uh, Isaiah Tizzle had 26. Now Bo has 27. We've had eight different leading scores. So, that part is very positive. I'll stick with the positive first, and that's having six turnovers 
we had only had two at half, you know, 15 assists on six turnovers, and shooting 15 to 18 from the free throw line, those were winning numbers. You heard the thoughts at the beginning of the soundbite, Coach Forbes talking about that matchup, and it was Matt Ryan who he was discussing, who was the leading scorer, transfer that's played at Vanderbilt and Notre Dame, 15 points per game coming in. And, and you mentioned it a couple of times in the broadcast that he was getting a bit frustrated, it appeared, offensively because he's kind of gotten a lot of what he wants this year in this league and at times has been dominant. But three of nine, one of four from outside, limited him from beyond the arc. Uh, nine points is all he was able to muster. Ramon Villa and uh, Caldwell, who really wasn't on a lot of our A.J. Caldwell, a lot of our reports coming in. You know, we didn't really talk about him at all on Friday, and not someone much like... Had a hop, 12 points. Much like Angelo Allegri, perhaps, last year. I know we always compare things to that performance, but just kind of out of nowhere with UNCG's shooter last year, this year, Caldwell really was the one that got them back into the game late on. But Matt Ryan, to be able to effectively eliminate him, that was really big to make sure that you could extend the lead out and have enough of a cushion just in case something happened like it did where Chattanooga mounted a comeback. Yeah, I, I think, you know, he, he got... He got some good looks and got caught fire. And I think really ETSU did a, a poor job a couple times in transition of getting back, not finding the guy, and they gave a couple clean looks up. And then there were a couple threes that were really just kind of tough shots. But I think Bo Hodges getting Brian in foul trouble was huge. It, just getting the first couple fouls, right, going right at him, getting the contact, getting the bucket to drop, and uh, you know really starting to push – the tempo as far as Hodges and the aggressiveness and getting the steals in a play. And Matt Ryan picked up like three of his fouls in transition defense. And again, it's a situation where just get out, either get out of the way or, or commit a good foul. And, and he didn't do any of it. You know, he, he tried to sidestep people, didn't really take a charge. He kind of haphazardly kind of swatted at guys. Mm. I mean, just I think getting Hodges going at Ryan and, and kind of getting him out, I think took. Chattanooga, at least in the first half, way out of what they wanted to do. You got to make a decision, okay? What are you going to do? You going to let them shoot threes, or you going to double team the post, or you going to let Villa? And I don't think they could beat you by two. I think they could beat you by three. Villa's a heck of a player, and he had 17 points, but that was all one on one in the post, uh, and that's by choice. Uh, we made that decision to do that so we could clamp down on the threes, and uh, we did that at Kansas. They had. We couldn't quite overcome it. But those, that's the decisions you have to make going into the game. Really interesting, I think, to hear the kind of the inside game plan type stuff. Always the stuff I like to pull out of the post game from Coach Forbes. Basically, he's talking about Chattanooga not being able inside the arc to stick with you. And what the Bucks wanted to do is go ahead and let your guys down low, get those points if they want. And Villa did, 17 with six rebounds and three assists. That's a good day for him. But with ETSU being as efficient offensively, and you heard Coach Forbes talk about in the last soundbite, 26 from Isaiah Tisdale last game, and then 27 from Bo Hodges this game, there's always going to be somebody, it seems like, that has a night. And so when you have that luxury, and you know that you're a team that's going to shoot it seemingly every night, 47 48%, 49% as a squad, then you can kind of do the numbers and the math in your head and say, all right, well, is this team going to be able to shoot a high enough percentage from two to be able to beat us? If not, then go ahead and let the people inside the yard get what they want. Go down low, go one-on-one, take the chance that you can get beat down in the post. And even with Jerome Rodriguez, you know, out, um, you, you do have, of course, Lucas Cusano, Joe Hughley. Now, Hughley got in foul trouble early on, so... I think Chattanooga was probably pretty encouraged in the early stages about how the game was going. Obviously, that got out of hand quick, but 
unless you're adding up the numbers and saying, all right, the twos can beat us, why not? Just let everybody inside the arc, down low players, 15 and in guys, get what they want and say, all right, we're going to stay man-to-man on guys outside the arc, get a hand in the face of every shot from deep, which is what ETSU did and clearly did so successfully. A.J. Caldwell made the game plan look a little bit flimsier there in the second half, but again, at the end of the day, the math did add up, and I think it's interesting to hear Coach Forbes talk about you know why that is. Other times he's done it. You know He mentioned they had Azabuke. You know, Ken said Azabuke, seven feet, 280, giant, huge mammoth, uh, just an impressive player. He ate Lucas twice, literally. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, you know, tough to keep up with a guy that is that unicorn-type guy. You're not going to see that every game. So, didn't work against Kansas, uh, although still a fantastic effort in that game. I mean, Kansas hit 1-3, so if you look at it at that. Yeah, yeah. that's true. But they had Azabuke down low, so they could just do whatever. But, yeah, Chattanooga uh, obviously worked well. I think the turnovers, too, 18 turnovers for Chattanooga, six for ETSU. That led to 13 more shot opportunities. Uh, ETSU had one more offensive rebound, so the majority of those extra shots coming on the extra possessions. Because Chattanooga, you look at some of the numbers, they shot 51%. You know, uh, pretty solid there, but they could not overcome the turnovers, the points off turnovers. And just five of 15 from three, which for most teams, maybe not a bad outing at 33%, but considering how important Chattanooga and three-point shooting is to them, and we read the number probably at nauseum during the broadcast for me, the 10 threes was the magic number for them where they're undefeated, and now they're just uh, five and eight in games where they do not get to 10 threes. And free throw shooting for ETSU, which sometimes has come and gone, 15 of 18, again, the only person to miss free throws, unfortunately, was Bo Hodges, but everybody else, Tisdale two for two, Patterson two for two, Gasson three for three, Williamson four for four, Corley one for one. And so, uh, you know, to me, that's outstanding numbers. The 15 assists on the 28 makes. I mean, it wasn't a whole lot to to not like, I think, other than maybe how the Bucks got a little bit of lull, got lax, and didn't finish strong. Other than that, I thought it was a, a heck of a basketball game as ETSU starts to hit its stride. Yeah, and Bucks were plus 20 in the paint. So we talk about, you know, go ahead and get what you want down low if you're Chattanooga. Still, ETSU's got those horses inside, and they've got the slashers that can finish at the rim, and they've got Lucas Gusson down low even when Jeremy Rodriguez is out, which it did come out if people missed the broadcast. Coach Forbes told you that it's going to be another two or three weeks as he recovers from uh, that foot injury, I believe it is, um, and he's just in a holding pattern right now uh, where I think – if you're looking from the outside and you've got two to three more weeks at minimum, it almost makes sense just to say shut her down until the postseason. Uh, but I digress. Uh, points out turnovers. You talked about the turnovers. Points off. ETSU, 20 points off those 18 turnovers from Chattanooga. And uh, Chattanooga, nine points off ETSU, six turnovers. So another big differentiator there and second chance points in favor of the Bucks. So it really, it wasn't just the defensive game plan of, hey, they can't beat you from two. Go ahead and see if they can beat you from three. Try and take that away. But also the numbers inside the arc were much in favor of ETSU. And I think this is Bo Hodges. We've been trying to get him going, you know, telling him to be aggressive. He's been passive the last few games. But like you said, he got it going this game. He was attacking the rim. The second half right there, seven-footed jumped with him, and he got a good body layup. He was very aggressive today. I was proud of him. That's Bo Hodges on Davian Williamson. We mentioned it uh, the last six games, 4-7-0-2-11, and four points, averaging like four and a half, five points a game. But then with the 15, Davian also playing much more. First time he's played over 25 minutes in over a month, uh, played 29, and was very efficient from the field. And I still think 
that uh, he is that type of player that can do that on any given night. We just haven't seen it a lot lately. You look back to the Little Rock game when he had 20, you know, Citadel, North Dakota State, you know, 16 apiece. That's back-to-back-to-back games. Uh, I still think he's just taken a bit more of a back seat, but when he senses it, and that's the tough thing with this team, I think, for you know, some on it maybe, uh, or at least from the outside, it would be tough for me. When are you needed? Because there's seven or eight different options that can be number one on a given night when it comes to scoring and producing offensively. It's a sixth sense almost, and it seems like Davian Williamson's sixth sense kicked in. It, it, I tell you, he going to the it's so fun because you know he's he's not a big guy. I mean, what six two, lanky, and. Uh, his body control when he gets in there with the big guys, either taking the contact or somehow kind of slithering through a couple of guys to hit a scoop shot underneath somebody's armpit. It's just it's very interesting to see how talented he is going to the rim. He also uh, had struggled from deep as of late, but when the Bucks needed a key three, and I know it was a 10-point game to make it 13, but he was able to get a key three that sort of really at that point in time late in the game broke the the rest of the back of Chattanooga after they had just got all that momentum got it to seven a three-point play and I think a three-pointer just kind of extended it back up to 13 and then Chattanooga able to get a couple of of points late to make it 11 but still from that point on I think uh, Davian Williamson really showed what I thought most people thought he would be his whole sophomore year especially as that middle stretch of the non-conference season you mentioned so I just think people thought that's what you were getting from him game in and game out i'm guessing that this is not the game that you think the rivalry has returned no <laughs> no they've got another chance in 11 days but i'm guessing that won't be the day either no uh, uh next year could be very interesting though i think i think uh, lamont paris has done a good job building the roster we'll you know just have to wait and see but if everybody stays intact which in college basketball is a christmas miracle if everybody stays intact besides the two people that graduate and are no longer eligible for Chattanooga. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But we'll go from men's basketball to women's basketball for this time out. Santa's Sidekick, Buccaneer Sports Network. Life is all about perfect pairings. Sweet and salty, naughty and nice, hot and cold. Well, add instant and jackpot to the list because that's what you'll get when you add Quick Cash to your next Tennessee Cash play. Quick Cash is a simple way to turn one game into two. With Quick Cash, you'll have a chance to win up to $500 instantly right there at the register. Plus, you'll still have a chance to win the Tennessee Cash drawing later. Get the best of both worlds and get twice the fun. It's Quick Cash with Tennessee Cash. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Sanderson to sidekick back with you on this Monday edition. We'll have Wednesday for you. Of course, just one midweek game. It's on the men's side. Last week we just had one midweek game. It's on the women's side. This time it's on the men's side. And it's ETSU versus Mercer Wednesday. We'll preview that contest. Then Friday we'll recap that game and we'll preview ETSU Chattanooga on the women's side. ETSU UNCG on the men's side. Of course, we have other segments we'll work in between there as well. Talking on the women's side, though, they come off a win at Mercer, go to Samford, and uh, where they had all kinds of sc- sc- people step up and score at Mercer. They left them all to making, apparently, because ETSU really struggled to put the ball in the basket. Yeah, we picked the right game to go to, no doubt. Uh, made the day trip down to Mercer and back on Thursday, and ETSU with their first win over Mercer since 2016, snapped an eight-game losing streak, which was their fourth longest losing streak 
uh, active in their programs uh, current state uh, the others are like Tennessee and you know North Carolina South Carolina things like that but um, that was a great game to go to a big win be able to snap that streak and you know coach Zell I think always likes uh, beating Susie Gardner when she can do that uh, the two very similar coaches I think if you look um, you know in, in their past and how long they've been in the SOCON and their success rate you know both very successful uh, both can be very energetic on the sideline and you know maybe similar coaching styles if you look from the outside there's very various intricacies of course but that was a great game and then you know you turn around and you got to go to a place where uh, you're going to have about a thousand less people uh, there was the double header that day at Sanford where the men played before from what I understand there are a few hundred you know they don't exactly draw on the men's side and then on the women's side, there was about uh, half that from what head coach Brittany Azell said. And so um, they don't charge, I guess, too. They don't. So the reason they do the men's doubleheader, uh, the men's first in the doubleheader is they charge for the men's ticket and they don't charge for the women's ticket uh, from uh, the information I've been able to gather. And so they, you know, say people can just stick around for the women's game since they're not going to charge anyway. Uh, I guess a few did, but not a giant amount to make the atmosphere anything that would be considered intimidating. Uh, where Mercer, you know, I'll say this I think the Mercer crowd was smaller this year than it was last year which makes sense because obviously the team is not having a great season. They did still report like 1,400, which was wildly out of control. I know there's that just happens, right? You see numbers that are very inflated pretty much everywhere, uh, but it was pretty drastic, I think, to see the difference between last year's crowd and this year's crowd. So you got to do the quick turnaround. You got the momentum. You go to Birmingham. It's a four-hour bus ride. Um, again, just a very tough trip. ETSU now for the last five years has won one half of that trip last year lost both to Sanford and Mercer but the previous three years they had split with the Bulldogs and the Bears on the same trip ever since they started being grouped together in the SoCon for ETSU and the goal for Brittany Azell was to get one and she talked with you about it on the coaches show and she got her one and I think it's the one that she wanted more um I think anytime you can get a win you know is great right you'll take them how you can get them you'll take whatever opponent uh will come into your place or you go on the road to their place and you get the victory there's no question about that but to be able to snap that streak against Mercer really big. Sanford's just much improved. You never want to lose to one of your uh, former assistants, Carly Coons from Belmont when Coach Zell was there a number of years back, beginning of the decade. That's where Carly and her came across each other and um, still friends, and I'm sure she's happy for Carly's success. Probably not so much that day, uh, but if you're going to lose to someone, hey, why not make it someone that you helped tutor and grow? And um, unfortunate that ETSU, as Coach Zell told me, um, she's got all of the great uh, analogies. She said we couldn't throw it in the ocean if we were drowning. Uh, and that looked to be the case, unfortunately, for the box. 15 of 57 from the field, 26 points. One bright spot, Micah Sheets does extend her double-digit scoring streak to now 20 games, uh, tied for second in the country. And it was just a tough three quarters of offense. Uh, first, second, uh, excuse me, first, third, and fourth, you have exactly seven points on your way to 34, which, hate to report, that's the second fewest in program history. And uh, that does reset the number that uh, ETSU had last weekend against Wofford in terms of the largest SOCON loss in the Brittany Zell era, uh, 34 points, uh, Sanford doubling up ETSU, and they had three double-digit scores led by Natalie Armstrong. Um, one to 17 from outside, you know, it was just a tough day, 0-9 in the second half. Uh, really, they were in that game after two quarters of play. It was 29-20, to and things just got out of hand uh, in the third and fourth quarters. So, uh, 
tough to maintain, you know, the effort, I think, from that first half of the Mercer game. That's really where things started to unravel offensively. Uh, the Bucks just kind of, you know, uh, blacked out, you know, in that first half against Mercer. They were shooting out of their mind. They had their best offensive half of the year. Uh, they could not miss. And trying to capture that lightning in a bottle that they had and redistributing it, redistributing it across multiple halves of play on the road on a road trip like this with classes just starting was always going to be tough. Um, so this is one I think the uh, take a look at once, crumple up, throw in the trash can, get back in the gym and start shooting. And like you said, the Bucks do have a little bit of time here with the midweek off. They've got Chattanooga, who actually lost to Mercer on Saturday. So Mercer does have their first league win. Kind of surprising to see, yeah. considering the <laughs> what well, no, the recent the, the results. Whole, the league the is whole, so just yeah. Because I was gonna say, you know, just as you thought, because if didn't uh, the was it Wofford beat UNCG? Wofford beat UNCG. Yeah, Wofford come beat, from behind fashion. Right, right. So like right as you thought, you had a little bit of understanding of the league. I still think two through, and I said six, maybe two through seven. I don't know. Maybe Mercer figures it out at this point. I, I just you know and. and I'd penciled in UNCG to go ahead and uh, run away with the league, and then they lose a, a game to Wofford, which, again, you more than me, but I agree. Wofford's still a fairly stout women's basketball team. They certainly create some issues. They can score the ball. But to me, it, uh, you know, now Sanford's 4-1. and one. UNCG's 4-1. and one. Furman and Wofford each at 4-2. and two. Chattanooga 3-3. Three and three. ETSU 2-4. and four. And Believe it or not, they're still, if they beat Chattanooga coming up, they're right there it's unbelievable and then one and four mercer west carolina is what they've been for like a thousand years except for the few years kelly uh harper was there uh but other than that i mean it's i don't really know what to expect from the women's side i thought you know uncg and the rest now i'm I'm not sure i don't know what because again if uncg loses a wofford wofford Furman, sanford i'll get another swing at uncg uh, if I'm not mistaken, don't uh, I think Sanford gets the next wing at him coming up. So, either way, I, I think it's an interesting league dynamic because the league is still really wide open. I mean, I think it's going to come down to matchups. If ETSU can continue to get better and the break comes at the right time because they got a lot of ladies playing a lot of minutes. So, if they can use this, kind of recharge the battery, a couple days off, you know, I'm sure Sunday after the long road trip didn't do much. Maybe they don't do much today on Monday. Tuesday, start to get back into it and go at it real hard. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, get ready for Saturday. Pick up, you know, if you can beat Chattanooga, I think you can really start to 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 hopefully turn a corner because the league is there for anybody to go on a run. I'll say this. I am just still fascinated by some of these stats that we've come up with. Shania Jackson was shut out. No points. O of two played just twelve minutes. So now ETSU is five and two when she plays twenty or more minutes, and the number's now two and twelve when she doesn't. And when she scores in double digits, it's the same stat. Five and two, two and twelve when she doesn't. At least Stafford, when she scores nine points or more, ETSU is six and five. And she didn't against Sanford, and so they're one and nine when she doesn't. And I just think that the stats are telling, you know, about those two players in particular. It was nice, I'll say, to see Jada Craig back on the floor. She injured herself, and I wasn't able to gather what that injury was. I remember her uh, being kind of knocked around in the corner early in the Mercer game, and then, you know, as we kind of unfolded, you know, she didn't come back, and Coach Zell talked about her not being able to play the rest of the game. Post game, she did come back and was very solid, 16 minutes, four points, 
four rebounds. So uh, she was good. She's back available, uh, but you got to get the contributions from Elise Stafford or Shania Jackson. Kaya Upton had her up day from the field, two of nine. And so when you put all those things together, and Ty Kimbrough wasn't the offensive force that we're used to seeing. She played 24 minutes, but uh, was matched up a lot with Natalie Armstrong, and Armstrong's just a very solid big, and Kimbrough went one for five. Did have 10 rebounds, DTSU. I think you and me have both been very encouraged. The fact that they've been able to mount an effort on the boards despite losing all their post play from last year, their top rebounder and Eric Haynes Overton uh, on top of that, you know, from earlier this year when she transferred, um, they were only minus five, but you know, those 10 rebounds, you have to have the offensive effort too. And Ty Kimbrough just couldn't find it that day being matched up against Natalie Armstrong. So Jackson Stafford, Kimbrough, uh, Micah Sheets going 5 for 16. That obviously doesn't help either. Didn't get to the free throw line at all. ETS, he only 3 of 8 from the stripe, and that's, of course, another key to their offensive game. So, um, yeah, just learn from it, move on, and now try and regroup for an alumni day uh, against Chattanooga. A big game because Coach Zell talked about being 3 and 4 out of the first half, and so they got the one they needed on the road. Now they got to come back and beat Chattanooga and put in a good show for their alumni because as – you and the heads of many programs uh, know uh, at you know uh, the women's side, men's side, wherever you go, Alumni Day is big because a lot of your alumni are only going to come back for Alumni Day. So to be able to put up a solid effort against a Chattanooga, a rival, when the season to this point has not gone exactly how you would have hoped, uh, a lot of things can be righted on that day. Yeah, and you could turn, again, the season, you got three in a row at home after you take the Wednesday off or Thursday off for women. You got Chattanooga at home, Western Carolina, UNCG, and you could very easily go from two and four to five and four and throw yourself right back in it. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, or you could go the opposite. I mean, it's just that's right. That's right. It's yeah, again, you, you could go find yourself fighting for second, or you could find yourself in seventh. And you know, for UNCG, they're going to play Mercer, which is won a game. What's what's Mercer going to do? Then they've got West. Uh, then they've got Samford, and then they UNCG got to go on the road to Chattanooga and ETSU. I mean, there's a possibility they could lose three games in between there. And so, again, you just look at it. Furman's another team we're looking at. They've got the weird non-conference game versus Bob Jones on Monday. (laughs) And then they play their arch rival, Wofford. And then they're at Wofford, at Sanford, at Mercer. So the women's, which I thought was a little bit put to bed, is not. And it could be interesting for the women's basketball team at ETSU. You've got three straight home games. You generally play still better in Brooks than away from it. So if you're able to start with Chattanooga, get that win, got an opportunity because then you got western should be able to beat that one then you got uncg who's always had a hard time playing there we'll have to wait and see but i i think the break comes at a perfect time to get a lot of weary legs some time off you love bob jones i do love bob jones what's up side for a timeout when we come back bold prediction recap right after this from santo sidekick on the buccaneers sports network an inside look at buccaneer basketball is back this winter with the etsu radio coaches show Monday nights all season long, Steve Forbes and Brittany Azell join Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz live from Wild Wing Cafe at 71 Wilson Avenue in downtown Johnson City. It's a 6 o'clock start as Forbes and Azell field your questions, reflect on results, and preview upcoming action. The ETSU Radio Coaches Show every Wednesday at 6 right here on WXSMAM 640, The Sports Monster. Everyone in the stadium and across the NFL world is aware that quarterback Andrew Luck decided to retire. Antonio Brown ditches practice again after another issue with his helmet. There is a code that has been broken here with Antonio Brown. He's just not a good human. But unless you've been living under a rock, you guys all know that the AAF is folded. 
Wide receiver Josh Gordon has been reinstated and is now eligible to return to New England. The great Bill Belichick keeps giving Gordon chances. Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes told reporters flat out, if UCLA had paid his buyout, he probably would be at UCLA now instead of at Tennessee. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Oh, does this segment get any better? This is the greatest segment to date. The winning streak continues for one guy, and the loser continues to lose. Let me tell you how bad it is for the losing Mike Gallagher. He can't even win in a non-traditional sport, and sport, I'm air quotes here, loosely in professional uh, wrestling, the sports entertainment business, as we always do for fun. The Royal Rumble was last night, and yes, we will not talk wrestling a whole lot here for people that don't care, <laughs> but uh, we like to do a Royal Rumble pool. Uh, there's only a few things you can gamble on in uh, being an employee of a athletic department, and you can do some dog racing you can do nascar you can do horse racing and uh, professional wrestling is one of them and so we like to make it a little more entertaining because obviously you know it's predetermined who's going to do what but we draw numbers out of a hat for who gets what number that being said you each get two numbers one of my numbers was the last man standing but his last two competitors were both guys owned by mike gallagher who had a 67% chance of winning and couldn't get it done, Mike. Is that just a microcosm of what you've done all season? I feel like I'm starting to sense a trend here. Whenever you and me are together or doing something along the same lines as we did last night for the Royal Rumble or going back and forth on this is going to happen versus this is going to happen, we're arguing about something. Whenever I'm in your presence, it seems like the show becomes real life. Sandos and the sidekick. I am relegated to the unlucky, the unfavorable, the second chair, second fiddle. And last night, I have never been more confident in my life while having better odds that I would lose. I had a 67% chance to win two of my guys versus one of your guy. And I was sitting there with my head in my hands because I knew exactly what was going to happen. And now maybe that's because the outcomes are predetermined in professional wrestling. Okay. And maybe you just, you and me know it pretty well, right? We, you, we've watched forever. You've watched it for longer than me. And you still watch it more than I do. Uh, but I still do like to partake because it's fun. I know a little bit of the history. And, you know, Brock Lesnar's a Minnesota guy and yada, yada, yada. Um, he got eliminated after he went on this crazy run. And then I've got Roman Reigns and Edge. And Edge is coming back. And I'm like, oh, man, he hasn't been in, not to get too far into it, but he hasn't been in wrestling for like 10 years because he hurt his neck and now all of a sudden he's magically cleared and then Roman Reigns is a constant, you know, uh, good guy that everybody hates. Right. So he's in there as one Headline of the last three. several WrestleManias. You're there, you're there. And so I've got those two guys that had numbers 21 yeah. and 26 out of 30 and then you've got the one guy that they're trying to push over the top and you and B both knew exactly what was going the to Scottish happen. Scottish Claymore, baby. And we were with about three or four other people that were just uh, up in arms, you know, about the outcome. Uh, they were... One guy knew. One guy knew because of the golden horseshoe, as he likes to call me. The Mike, golden horseshoe. Yeah, wow. Mike White, the old Gordon. Uh, he, he's said that many, many a times, no matter what happens, if I fell in something, I still smell like roses, and that's, uh, that's about That's right. exactly it. You are Sandos, and I am the sidekick, and it was never more obvious than last night, and really how bold predictions have gone recently. Uh, we, we probably should have put an extra point on that, but we didn't, but we didn't. And I didn't really need it because guess who got another one right? Ugh. 
Yeah. Well, first, let's go into how bold predictions changed since Friday. So yeah. after we got off the air, we did a little more research on Michigan, Illinois. Me, 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 and, you, me, me and you were not real bold, as no, we thought we were. And Western Carolina Wofford. You'll remember I disputed the Western Carolina Wofford pick. Jay said that Western was going to win. And as it turned out, when the line came out, Western was actually favored by one. And so my suspicions were true that it was not bold enough. Clearly, if someone's favored, you can't pick that. Uh, unless, you, unless you're picking a 15 or 20 point win. And, yeah. Exactly. Right. That's sure. exactly right. Some and I did not. Amount, and you, I did not. you just said straight up win. Not going to take that. So you shifted your bold prediction. To a brilliant one. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. Oh. I, as it turns out, I was even less bold than you. I said Michigan over Illinois. Five point favorites were Michigan, even though they had lost three in a row. And they were 2-5 and five in the league. Somehow they come out favored, and they almost pull off the victory. I shouldn't say upset. I can't say upset because they're five-point favorites. But when that came out, you texted me and said, by the way, if I'm having to pull off this Western Carolina and Wofford, then you have to pull off the table, Michigan and Illinois, because five points, that's just ridiculous. As it turned out, I did pull it off the table, and I got a bold prediction of my own. As it turned out, neither of our bold predictions that we subbed in for our original bold predictions worked out very well. Citadel over Furman was what you decided to go with, and it was an absolute slaughter. Like 40. Like, disgusting. 30. I think it was 30. Just it doesn't I matter. Think you couldn't possibly I mean, it's on the fly. I was, I was trying to figure out. There's no excuse. Stubborn, yeah. stupid, yeah. And then like six silly of those. man. Six but of those. I went to UNLV and San Diego State. And San Diego State, I that have been wasn't that bad. meticulously, consistently picking to lose and end their perfect season and apparently I was it's not, gonna not happen. correct. Yeah, it was like 67, 67. 71 to 67. UNLV yeah, nearly point, yeah. got it done. Bryce Hamilton had 29 points and 10 rebounds for UNLV, but still undefeated San Diego State. 10-0 in the Mountain West, 21-0 overall. Stubborn, stupid, stupid, silly man. Four points is all it was. The one you did get correct, you said 24 or more for Lucas Cousant and Davian Williamson combined. You know your team. What can I say? I can't mm-hmm. even really be mad about that. You correctly predicted the exact game that Davian Williamson was going to come out of a slump. And Lucas Cousant, I think that was probably the easier side of it because he had the matchup against very little size inside for Chattanooga. He was probably going to get his. Well, he uh, also hit the three. And he hit the three, which I, helped. I, 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 looking back, I needed three. every bit of that. Yeah, because it was 27. Well, <laughs> yeah. he said 24 more. So right, but still. But that, still, the, right. The three helped at that point. It was uh, it was interesting to see. I, I It didn't quite break down the way it did. And in fairness, going into that, there was still – was not sure if uh, Rodriguez was going to play or not. They right. were still thinking that. Then, as I uh, went to, and I did not go to shoot around um, because my kids had basketball games or whatever. So I, I didn't know till I got to the building around one uh, thirty uh, for four o'clock tip that Rodriguez was still going to not be cleared for a couple of weeks. And actually, it's the first time they've given a timetable. So uh, it's been sort of well, we'll wait and see. We'll do whatever. They've not really put weeks on it. This is the first time that uh, when I got there, talked to the trainer, talked to Romy, talked to coach, that they finally, everybody's like, yes, we're probably two, three weeks away from this point. Hope that he should be back. And that's barring no setbacks. Your other prediction, Tiger, tied third or better. Ah, Not a bad prediction. He was ninth. He was ninth. Top ten. And he was that's he good. was three shots back, which isn't uh, isn't awful. But he's still top ten, but not, not top three. So yeah, I missed so, that. So you get one of three. Uh, I said that Baylor would lose to Florida, and I let off the show by saying I don't watch a lot of sporting events. Um, I do when I have 
uh, some skin in the game, as they say. And there is no more skin in the game than when I am trying to beat you in something. And so I did watch a lot of the Baylor-Florida game, and let me tell you, Florida's terrible. Uh, Baylor was never really in trouble, at least when the second half hit, and another number one does not fall. And then my other bold prediction was women's basketball and men's basketball hold their opponents to 60 or less each. That wasn't a terrible prediction either. Chattanooga gets 64. I thought it was really in business when they had 29 at the first media timeout or whatever it was with like 15 minutes to go, and they go on the run. And then Sanford, uh, obviously they weren't ever in trouble really of losing that game, DTS women's basketball specifically in that second half, but they get 68. So I go 0 for 3, and you also have bragging rights in the Royal Rumble pool that we – for whatever reason, decided to... Don't you yada yada everything. Give the tally. Give the tally. Okay. 17. You're, you're up by three. 17 out of 64. I'm 14 out of 64. And clearly, Bold Predictions is working out just like the title of the show. Sandos. Dominating the sidekick. Can we change the name of the show? Sandos and the very distant second sidekick? I'll just get to so <laughs> Sandos dominate sidekick. Yeah. Well, I, I believe that you took the simple order reason and would you expect anything him. less no I just... oh, so for the one last night i tell you i was sitting there on your couch in your house too and so you were already just you were in your element and i was on visitor's turf and it felt like it now i know what it's like to play in front of ninety thousand screaming fans in the room uh, you did you did get a party gift with them yeah I did, from the dollar store hey Thank hey you. hey hey yeah. Thoughts account. A Sandoz parting gift no there doubt. you go all right we'll be back wednesday we'll preview etsu mercer Back in the network. See ya.